We are going to be continuing for another two weeks uh, the message on small beginnings. And if you've got your Bibles, just encourage you, turn to Zechariah. It's kind of hard to find. It's not hard to find if you're using your uh, iPhone or your Android device or whatever. Um, Zechariah chapter 4. Don't despise these small beginnings, for the Lord rejoices to see the work begin. I want to encourage you so many times, it's so hard to start because you think you can't do it, but what God's looking for you to do is just to start. When you start, He engages with you. He loves small beginnings, and it says that He rejoices to see the work begin. But so many times, out of fear and out of frustration and out of our history and out of failures, we don't start. Um, I, again, I'll typically relate this to running or to dieting, but also with your job, with your marriage, with your kids. You know, we think it's just too far gone and we no longer try. And I want to encourage you to look at the areas that are most important. I got to spend some time with a guy this weekend that I'm hoping is going to come and share his testimony with our church. Um, his name's Chuck Fleming that had uh, years ago been diagnosed with bone cancer. And he said, you know, when you get that kind of report everything changes. What's important, what we think is important is no longer important, and it, help, it has helped him to prioritize his life. Now, he's overcome. He is overcoming that illness. He's incredibly healthy. He's one of the funniest people. I don't know if y'all know Chuck Fleming, but he is just an incredibly funny person that has bone cancer. And uh, again, I just want to encourage you that when we need to look at what's important, what's really important, because most of the things that we think are important aren't important. So as we begin to get in the Word and allow the Spirit of God to fill us, and we begin to get around other Christians that are Spirit-filled and, and going down that same pathway of life, the Lord will start to reveal to you what's important. And the problem is some of these things that are important, you are putting no resources into. You're putting resources into things that aren't important. And that's just, I'm, I'm using the word important a lot this morning, but it's just as important to know what's not important as what is important. So that you can stop pouring your resources into the things that aren't as important. <laughs> Amen? I can tell you that I'm a person that can get sidetracked and miss the obvious. Don't even know it's existing. My wife can be saying, how could you miss that? I don't know, but I can tell you the thought never entered my mind. I didn't miss it on purpose. The thought never entered my mind. But it was a, it was a matter of prioritizing and having things set in the right order. God's a God of order. So I want to encourage you, don't despise the small beginnings. Get started. Get started on your own spiritual health. Get started on your own physical health. Get started. God loves to see a start. But today, uh, my message is about finishing. Size doesn't matter. Finishing does. Finishing matters. Let's look at uh, Galatians chapter, nine, chapter 6, verse 9. So let us not get tired of doing what is good. At just the right time, we will reap a harvest of blessing if we don't give up.
So this scripture is telling us, okay, you've already started. Now, now that you've started and we know it's right, we know God is leading it, we know that it is the direction we should be going, don't quit. I've started running a little bit with my uh, two older girls, and we just go out for shorter runs. Uh, to me, it's shorter runs. To them, it's eternity, marathons. Two, we do two miles together. And I've ran with each of them together and separately a few times. And then them two, those two, them two, went and ran together once without me. And Rita was telling me, she said, Dad, we were running and we were just both dying and didn't know how we were going to end. And she said, I needed Dad. Why did they need Dad? Not because I'm a faster runner or I'm even more healthy than they are, but because I encourage them. I know what's going through their mind. I know their bodies and their mind are telling them to stop and that you're stupid. You need to stop. Stop. I can tell you when I run, my body's telling me stop. I'm at that age where I'm just, stuff starts hurting and my brain starts telling me I hurt. And physically, I just, and mentally, I want to stop. And she said, Dad, we needed you there. And I said, why? Just to encourage, just to finish. Because when I'm with you, I don't think as much about it and I finish. Don't get tired of doing what's good. That's why we need the body. That's why we need the spirit of God. That's why we need the word of God. Because I can tell you, if you'll get in the word of God, you'll get encouraged. If you're battling depression and you're battling darkness, you get in the word of God, that darkness will go. Maybe not overnight, maybe not right away, but it will. I want you to know the light drives out the darkness. When I get around encouraging people according to God's word that are encouraging me, it drives out my fear, it drives out my worry, it drives out my thinking I can't do it. But I can tell you, even with what I do here, with what I do at home, sometimes I feel like I've done it over and over and over, and I'm getting nothing from it. I'm getting no return. And Scripture says, don't stop doing what is good. You will receive a harvest. What's so amazing is is it just comes from nowhere. You think you're not making any impact until all of a sudden the tide turns. God knows right when to move. He knows just how to move. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 10, it says, God is not unjust. He will not forget how hard you have worked for him and how you have shown your love to him by caring for other believers, as you still do. God does not miss it. God doesn't miss what you're doing. I can tell you sometimes it feels that way. That is what the enemy does, is he messes with your feelings. He corrupts your feelings. Your feelings will lie to you. Let me refer back to even running. I can tell you that I can be running, and my mind is telling me I need to stop. But if I will take an account of my body, my knees don't hurt, my legs don't hurt, I'm not sucking wind, I'm not hurting. But my mind is telling me that I feel like I need to stop. And I want you to know the mind has the ability to overcome your physical. Your mind can talk you out of doing what you should be doing. Did you know the Apostle Paul says, I know what's right to do, but I just don't. 
I know it's the right thing to do, and I agree with it, but for some reason, I just still don't do it. Why? Because you've got such an incredible battle with your mind that's trying to get you to quit. God is not unjust. He will not miss your hard work. When you start applying yourself according to God's word, he will not miss it. His word says that if you will obey him and follow him, his blessings will not only find you, they will overtake you. I don't have to worry about God finding me and blessing me when I am in his will. That's his problem. He's got to find me and overtake me. And he says that he will. And I trust him to do what he says that he'll do. But my problem is so many times it's not a matter of him finding me and and overtaking me. It's a matter of me getting to doing what he's called me to do. Not only getting to do it, but sticking with it. How many of you know that so many times our breakthrough is just a moment away, but we stop right at the finish line? We give up right before we cross the finish line. If we'd known the finish line was right there, we would have pushed through. That's one thing that I've tried to encourage. Again, I'm going to keep referring to running, is have little short finish lines. See the top of that hill? Let's just make it to the top of that hill. Next thing you know, we're past the top of the hill, not even thinking about it any longer, and we're still running, even though they're wanting to stop. Have little, have little victories. Little victories end in finishing a great accomplishment. But if you don't get to these little short victories, you stop too soon. You get discouraged. Let me give you a story about Gideon. So if you look at some of the main characters, some of the main people that God has used throughout Scripture, they're small. Do you all know the Apostle Paul that wrote three-quarters of the New Testament was small. You know the word Paul means small? That just doesn't do much for me. It means humble. It means small. Zacchaeus says he was a wee little man. Y'all ever sing that song? A wee little man, a wee little man was he? Climbed up in a sycamore tree. I can't remember how it goes. Something. I can remember a little bit of it. Do you know David, of all the brothers, was small? Size doesn't matter here. Who else was small? Samuel as a child. But I want to talk about Gideon. So, this vast army coming against the children of Israel uh, in Judges chapter 7. And God picks out Gideon who even referred to him as being small, not even the main prophet, but God picked him and Gideon's like, why would you pick me? He says, I'm going to pick you to lead my army against this vast army against you. He said, okay. And he looks around and he has um, uh, 22,000 soldiers with him. God says, I'm going to lead you against this army. And if you read back in Judges chapter 6 or Judges chapter 5, the army that they were going up against was 135,000. He's starting with 22,000. God says, ah, it's too many. If you take 22,000, you win against 135,000, you're still going to think you did it. But I want to show you how awesome I am. Let's cut those down. Let's get them to, uh, let's, let's ask them, hey, who wants to go home? Hey, 22,000, who wants to go home? Do y'all know how many left? About 12,000. He was left with the 10,000. 
I'm sure to Gideon, he's like thinking, oh, no, 10,000 against 135,000. Just imagine little ants on the ground and the size of, of the two different teams. God says, nope, it's still too many. I still want to show you how great I am. This is not about how great you are, Gideon, or the children of Israel is. This is how, about how great I am. I need you to grasp how great I am. Church on the Hill, as you're facing maybe a medical issue or a financial issue or a marriage issue, God wants to show you how great he is. It is mind-blowing greatness. So what did he say? I want you to cut that down even more. Take them down to drink, and I want to see how they drink. Those that lap the water, some are going to stick their head in the water. Some are going to lap the water. And what did he do? He filtered it down to 300. 300 against 135,000. Can you please allow yourself to, to maybe grasp the vastness or the ridiculousness of this fight? But I want you to know one and God is more than an infinite of anything else. Gideon and God is more than any army that he could have come up against. But he left them with 300. Gave them instruction and went out. And what happened was the 135,000 turned on themselves and killed each other. That would have been some kind of battle to watch. I mean, I would have liked popcorn. And I think I probably would have laughed. I think it would have been humorous to watch these people running around doing stupid stuff. Now, I'm not saying that death is funny, but what are they doing? They've all turned on themselves and killed themselves. And God revealed himself in a way that he had not been revealed. Through Gideon, through him trusting. So as you're facing what seems to be an unsurmountable challenge, I'm not telling you that your challenge isn't big. But do you realize how small it becomes when you face it with God? How small it becomes when you face it with God. I want to, I want to kind of throw a curveball that I've really battled with the last two days to, to share. And I, I, this is going to just kind of be my approach. And I can't, I, I'm not going to, I just want you to weigh this with the Spirit of God and with the Word of God. This whole thing about taking the Lord's name in vain. I've been struggling with this week because, you know, I think about using the words GD. Y'all know what I mean when I say GD. Just taking God and putting another word with it, I think, has been one way that we have labeled taking the Lord's name in vain. But over the last six weeks, we've been talking about the doctrine of baptisms, my group. And one difference between John's baptism, which was a baptism of repentance and the remission of sin, and Jesus' baptism, not only did it include the blood of Jesus and the righteousness of Christ, and it talked about fulfilling all righteousness. The reason you need Christian baptism is to fulfill all righteousness. But one piece I want to tell you that I feel like applies to today is that one thing that changed between John's baptism and Jesus' is that we were baptized in the name of God. That did not happen with John's baptism. With Jesus' baptism, we were baptized in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Right? That was different from Old Testament atonement. It was different than John's baptism. John's saying, someone else is coming. 
You are to believe in him, but until then, until then, I'm going to baptize you in water for the remission of sin. But when Jesus came, he said, I'm going to baptize you in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. When I say baptized in the name of the Father, you can also read that as saying you baptized into the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, completely immersed and covered by his name. Right? Do we become children of God? Yes. We now have him inside of us. We are now have been baptized in the name of Jesus. I now carry the name of Jesus with me. I'm not Jesus, but I carry his name. I'm able to pray in his name. I'm able to ask in his name. I'm able to command in his name. I'm able to walk in his name. I have the righteousness of Christ. Somebody say amen. This is the deadest crowd I've ever preached to, and I don't know how long. Speak up. Something, something's funny, but this is about to get good, okay? I believe that when we walk into challenging situations and into life, and we, I walk into those situations in the name of Jesus. I don't undo that. I was saved and I was baptized at five years old in the name of Jesus. So from then on, I am covered by his name. Have I lost you? Don't, don't, don't be lost. We are baptized in the name of Jesus, submerged in water, covered in his name. So when I walk into, into challenges, my way, my thinking, my preparing, I believe that I take his name in vain. We learned this morning from John, 1 John chapter 3 that when we are not living according to righteousness and pursuing righteousness, we don't have God. So hang in there. The, the way that I show that I have God in me is that I follow him and I do things his way. That proves that Jesus is in me. Don't love according to word. Love according to deed. That's First John chapter 3. Our love has to be done in action, not just in word. We can say we love each other, but never action it out. God's looking for action. This thing that we're doing with the Avery Trace kids is action. We're going to not only deliver them food, that's just a piece that gets the door open. Then we get to love on them. Do you hear me? I think God meets our needs so many times just so he can have a chance to love on us. We'll show up to him because we need him. When that door opens, he loves on us. So, when I go into a situation with me and expecting God, do you, do you follow what I'm saying? I've gone into this situation, but I've done it all my way. I've not even sought God, sought his body, sought his spirit, and then it fails, and I'm looking at God, God, what did you do? Why, why did this happen? And I believe God's saying, wait a minute, you just went in in my name, but I wasn't with you. You just went into this, that situation, and I've given you my name. I've covered you by my name. I've covered you in everything that you need, but you left me out of it. Can you follow this? That it is so important that as we walk, we walk with God. That when we do these small things, we do these small things with God, and these small things become supernatural things because God's there. Even though we're showing up against 135,000 with 300, the difference is God. It's not the plan. It's not breaking the glasses and tooting the horns and scaring the 135 to death. That wouldn't have happened without God. 
I don't even think they would have even been woke up. About to lose my voice. We must go with God. When we do it His way, the supernatural happens. When we do it His way, our potential becomes infinite. This whole thing about small beginnings is all about big return. Big return. Big victories. But God wants you to start small because maybe you can believe small. Size doesn't mean insignificant. Not finishing does. You know what we want to know what's insignificant? Not finishing. It says in uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 7, verse 8, and I'm going to finish here with finishing. <laughs> finishing is better than starting. Now, that doesn't say God doesn't love the start. He loves the start. You can never finish if you don't start. God loves and delights in your start. But finishing is better than the beginning. Finish. Finish. I want to think of Ross Perot. Can I finish? Finish. Finish this race. Get back involved with God. Get back in the Word. Get filled with the Spirit. Get involved in the body and in small group. I can tell you, if I'll get in the right group and if I'll just talk where my heart is, correction will come. I don't mean negative correction. I don't mean critical correction. I mean correction. Fixing my error. When I hold it in and I don't talk about it, then I allow lies to take over my life. Things that are not even true that I believe because I've not allowed it to be exposed to the light. You remember how we talked about hurdles? One of our biggest hurdles is exposure. We don't want to let our stuff be seen. And when we do that, we allow it to control our life. But as soon as it can get exposed, truth will come. Church starting small, but finishing. It's so important that we finish. Finishing is better than starting. Last week we talked about um, to be faithful over little. I want to encourage you again, just start. Start, church. You guys stand up with me and let's pray together. As we just come into a time of prayer for just a moment, I want to now just back up for just a second and say this is not just um, church stuff. This is your life. This is your marriage. This is your finances. This is your kids. This is your health. Start. It's time to start. There are things that they would tell you in your health that can't be undone, but they don't know God. God can undo the, un, un, the undone. God can re repair the undone. God can do a miracle in your life. You may think financially there's no way out. I want you to know that's a lie. God always has a way out. Your marriage, God always has a way out. I don't mean out of marriage. I mean out of hell. God always has a way out. 
But we've got to walk in these things with him, in his word, in his spirit, in his body. Father God, in Jesus' name, Lord, give us courage to start. But Lord, also give us the courage and the strength to hang in there. Your word today has told us that you are not going to miss what it is that we're doing. And a scripture I forgot to mention is that he will complete Philippians 1, 6, being confident of this very thing, that he who has begun a good work in you will complete it until the day of Jesus Christ. It's not even on your shoulders to complete it. It's God's. Your job is to not quit. God will see it done. Hang on. I want to encourage you, if you've never received Christ as your Lord and Savior, right now, call on Him. Cry out to Him. It says that all those that call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. Call on Him. Don't make this thing too complicated. Yeah, you've done stuff. God paid for it. God already knows it. He knew it before you were ever going to do it. Let him have your life. Turn your heart over to him. And let's start this race and not quit. Father, I just pray for a great week of victory, a great week of breakthrough. Lord, I just pray that the right friends will come along right at the right time. You may be here praying for a friend. I want to encourage you. God's got a friend right here in this body. Send those right friends to us. Send us encouragement. And Lord, let us be an encouragement to others. God, I pray for the needs of our church and VBS and everything that we need. God, you've got this. This is your gig. Church was your idea. And your word says you're coming for the church. Lord, bless our church. Just ask you to bless Pastor Justin as he's on vacation. All those that are with graduation, bless our graduates. You've got a great plan for these young men and women in our, in our church and in this city. Father, I come against these gun attacks in our schools. Just ask you for wisdom and power and favor, protection. Let us be safe. But, Lord, let us take this sword of your spirit and the word of God and, Lord, begin to have some victory. Just come against the work of Satan in this, in this nation. Just ask you, Lord for victory, and that we would get started. Thank you, Lord. Give us good fellowship this afternoon. Just give us a great day. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Everybody said? Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. We'll see you Wednesday night, 6 o'clock.